You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, White Sox fans. Brett Valentini here hosting... Post game podcast two. Ah, the numbers are getting all confused because we just had the opening day podcasts. And last night we did our first sort of condensed podcast, me and Sam Sherman. But I've got, once again, the entirety of the Indianapolis field office with me here for a post game podcast, a very special one. It's Christopher O'Keefe and Joseph, Super Joseph Reeses, joining me to celebrate. Hey, uh, what happened tonight? <laughs> Something, something with a no. Yeah. Cool. 20th no-hitter in White Sox history. Nearly a perfect game. Absolutely crazy way to lose a perfect game. And I thought it was funny that Carlos Rodon jawed, I think, in, in good-natured fashion, but jawed a bit at Roberto Perez as he was uh, limping to first base after that brutal, floppy hit-by-pitch lame but uh, all right guys impressions I, i'm not sure how many no hitters you've seen in your life i guess maybe you both might have caught lucas's last year but uh how'd that feel it's been a thrill uh, yeah i still remember giolito's very clearly from last year i was doing the game coverage on that one and yes i it was it was difficult for me to type because I was shaking so much, <laughs> and I would have had the same experience tonight had I been the one doing the recap. It was just a, a thrilling adventure tonight, uh, starting from pretty much the seventh inning onward. I was very it was tough for me to kind of sit still during this game, and Benetti was kind of hyping it up as far as all of the injuries that Carlos Rodon has dealt with in the past and how 
nice of a comeback story this would be. And that was kind of building the suspense even more than uh, it would typically be built up in the latter stages of a potential no-hitter or perfect game. And so it was a very cool way to for this game to wind down. And it's something I won't forget for a very long time. Yeah, that's right, Joe. Uh, we were doing Sports Illustrated, so that's where our recaps were. And on Southside Sox, we were just doing just six-pack coverage. That was sort of our, our coverage. That's what you were doing. And I was like, Joe, I think you got to actually write a, like a little mini story just this one time. I think that was really technically the only recap we had all last year on Southside Sox because it was just six-pack stuff. Otherwise, I said, yeah, I think you're going to have to make some special arrangements for this one. So you did a uh, doubleheader duty there. Crystal, how did it feel? You stayed up. You got it down. I did. I stood up. I I kind of had a laugh because I actually almost wore um, my Lucas Giolito. I was there virtually no-no shirt that the lovely Billy O'K created for a company called 26 Shirts. I almost put that on today, but I was like, oh, no, he's not pitching. But it would have been perfect. But um, no, that was exciting. I was taking some puffs on my inhaler because I was so nervous. <laughs> The entire time, but gosh, it's just, it's great to see. I mean, he, you could tell he was really confident from early on in the game and it's good to see somebody overcome so many things and probably listen to so many people just say he was washed and his career was over and come back from surgeries and then throw no hitter immediately, you know what 12 games in now so yeah that was awesome far, re- be, far be it for me to give you um wardrobe advice crystal but realize now i think that t-shirt has some real power so don't burn it use it when we really need it i'm just gonna uh, tell my husband to continue making shirts yeah right just you know even if a guy has does have a no hitter just make <laughs> one nobody else has to see it you can just wear it underneath underneath the jersey yes i'm even donning my uh I mean, technically, it should be unbuttoned about down to my belly, but it was a cold night in Chicago uh, tonight. And to your point about the the, um, the confidence uh, was interesting, even though there were some real hard hit balls, they all came late in the game. Uh, the earliest one, I guess there was one hard hit uh, from Perez in the third, uh, that line out to right field. But then it was just from the sixth on. Sixth, uh, you had Perez with another one, the ground out. That was a crazy play that uh, Laori made. Holy cow, mm-hmm. to, to steal a hit. Uh, and then Ramirez, the one that Rodon uh, acknowledged, uh, certainly on the field after the game, probably in his press conference as well. Uh, Low-key MVP of this game. <laughs> Andrew Vaughn got a lot of action in left field and, you know, none of them weren't, yeah, I mean, it seemed like generally routine plays, but those are a guy who's never played there. You can turn routine plays into hits very easily. So a little cap tip there to Andrew Vaughn uh, as well, uh, among all the other guys who who get credit for what happened tonight. And then even that very last out, what had a uh, 540 expected batting average. So uh, some hard hit stuff. So, you know, there's always a little bit of luck in these, in these no hitters. Uh, but, uh, you know, Carlos got it done. Uh, were you thinking going into the ninth that the, that, that something was going to at least screw up the perfect game? What was your feeling going into the ninth in terms of was it going to be a no hitter? Was it going to be a perfect game? Or, or we're both going to get dashed? I was terrified of the defense <laughs> just doing something. And that 
Oh gosh, that out with Jose Abreu, I like just felt everything like just slowly coming up. I was like, no, this is going to be it. He's going to sacrifice his legs and he's going to be injured and it's just going to screw everything up. And then I'll just probably start crying and drinking early. But that was my only concern. It looks very stressful for you. I got to say, it looks very stressful. I was a little calmer than that. Uh, Joe, how'd you handle uh, entering the ninth? What was your confidence level? I was doing some pacing around the room (laughs) at that point. Uh, I couldn't really gather my thoughts. I was cautiously optimistic, but didn't feel that strongly either way as far as whether or not he was going to be able to get it. I was leaning toward yes, but I wouldn't like, it's literally one thing could mess it up and that's all it takes. So it's kind of tough to expect that much. And um, yeah, when to go off of uh, that play at first base in the top of the ninth uh, on the Josh Naylor ground ball, I thought on the field that they, that he was safe. And so when they went to review it, I was like, Oh no, this is, they're going to have to overturn this because they're going to review and, you know, it would look really bad if they reviewed this and still kept it. But yeah, he missed, yeah, missed first base with that right hand. And luckily um, the correct call of out was made. And um, that was, that was terrific. And um, yeah, the, Hit by pitch, like that was, I, I can hardly b- blame Perez on that one. I mean, it was, it was pretty far inside. There was one several years ago with Max Scherzer on the mound where Jose Tabata had very clearly leaned into a pitch to ruin a perfect game in the ninth inning. This was not the same thing. Like, yeah, Perez, yeah, that pitch was pretty far inside and yeah, he didn't, really get out of the way of it, but I could hardly expect that. It's frustrating, but it's one that, uh, you know, I understand and I won't hold that against Perez at all. And, you know, I'll gladly still accept the no hitter, even though he was very, very close to the perfect game. Well, and it's not like he leaned into it. And listen, right. Roberto Perez is going to owe Carlos Rodon dinner whenever he sees him for that nonsense. I mean, <laughs> they're going to have something to jaw back and forth on. I don't think, I mean, even Carlos, I think, said, I don't blame him. I would have done the same thing. Yes. Uh, and, you know, if it was a closer game, it'd be even more justified when it's eight nothing and there's one down already. You're like, ah, oh, she's really uh, pretty weak. But all right. Hey, listen. And it, again, it's not like he didn't throw an EFIS. I mean, it, you know, it was normal reaction, it seems. Coincidences in this game. I don't know if either one of you caught the fact the home plate umpire was Doug Eddings of 2005 uh, Lee Championship Series, AJ Przinsky dropped third strike fame. So he just cannot shake uh, infamy and, and, and fame with White Sox games. Uh, also, 104 years ago today, another White Sox no hitter, Eddie Sakati, had a no hitter for the White Sox. So, sort of some strange coincidences. The game score for uh, Rodon tonight, 101. Giolito's last year, because he had, even though he had a couple walks, he had way more strikeouts, 105. But both, not going to probably see a better game this year. Let's hope we do. Lance Lynn's probably kicked right now. He's like, you just, you just stole all my home opener thunder. So maybe he's going to come out. It's going to be it's a quick turnaround tomorrow. So he could come out and most of the guys down. Cleveland don't really have the bats. So uh, uh, thoughts on tomorrow in terms of how the White Sox are going to come out. Is it going to be a little bit of a hangover from this? Or are they going to just continue to roll knowing that Cleveland is not finding a lot of luck offensively? 
I have to imagine they it's just electric in there right now. And there is just no way that they're going to, I mean, I could be wrong, but there's just no way they're going to come off of this wind and just completely tank it tomorrow. They, they have to just be out of their mind excited and it's going to carry over. They're, they're happy. They're doing great. They're going to keep it up. I feel pretty much the same way as that. And though the White Sox had a very bad day at the plate yesterday against Bieber, they came right out of the gates tonight, scoring six runs in the bottom of the first inning. So, you know, if you go off that, you could make the argument that, okay, uh, my gut instinct is that like Cleveland will come out and they'll have a really big first inning tomorrow, but I mean, they're facing Lance Lynn and I just don't think they have, the personnel to hang a large run total against Lynn, uh, who has looked pretty strong to open up the season already. And Cleveland's, they may still contend for a playoff spot, but if they do, it likely won't be a result of an explosive offense. And unless they have an uncharacteristically strong performance tomorrow, I see the White Sox coming out very strong again in the series finale. Let's take a quick break and we're going to get back to, we're going to talk about a couple key plays from your mean Mercedes. I think somebody's going to have something to say about your mean. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, White Sox fans. Hey, you know what? Carlos Rodon had a no hitter tonight. We are talking about it post game, talking with Crystal O'Keefe and super Joseph Reese's. Uh, about the game and okay there's one obvious great play for your mean which uh was a ball that may still be in orbit uh titanic home run keen the sixth run as as joe had mentioned before the break that sixth run outburst in the first inning which the white Sox really needed after the weak effort against uh understandably but weak effort against bieber but i want to talk about the fact that the designated hitter <laughs> was on the field and at the mound just about as fast as anybody to celebrate the no hitter. And I have to admit, I had flashes of Eloy Jimenez as he was barreling toward Carlos Rodon. Uh, either one of you get a little bit scared when you saw him scaling the rail. And- He's a big guy and he ran so fast. Like I just saw a lot of lives flash before me. Like, oh my gosh. Germinator has got some giddy up. He's a tank. He's going to knock somebody over and they're going to be hurt. And it's the last thing we need. We have Tim Anderson back tomorrow, please. Don't give me that heart attack. Uh, um, But obviously his play was, uh, his homer was key. Uh, You got to love the fact that he's, he is hitting no doubters that he can't afford to uh, pimp a little bit at the plate because again, he's, he's sending him into orbit and it's, uh, I mean, it's just extraordinary to see. And obviously he's a guy who ended up, um, I I suppose his efforts get a little bit overlooked uh, based on the fact that, oh, I don't know. That's right. There was a no hitter tonight. So uh, one funny thing I saw, uh, Joe, as you are a fellow six pack writer, you know, the, the, the win probability added, I think really keys into it. I still don't quite understand it because I'm, I'm slow, you know, I'm a a little thick, but um, I do think it plays off of the leverage you encounter in the game. So maybe it's not surprising that Rodon's uh, WPA tonight is low, but it's interesting that he technically wouldn't be considered, at least via that metric, the most valuable player in this game. He just had a 110 tonight, 
perhaps because he got that early lead and really didn't face that sort of pressure. And I think it is your mean at 151 who would be technically the WPA MVP. Now, of course, that's why, you know, stats are still just stats, I suppose. And I can't swear by them a hundred percent, although I'm close. So I don't know. I might even, I might even vote for your mean as the MVP of this game. Cause I sort of just stick with this fan box score. I, I don't know how to think for myself anymore. So I thought that was another interesting option about this game there. A number of that is exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly why Rodon's win probability added wouldn't be as high. Yeah, he was pitching most of this game in a low leverage spot because of that early six spot. Joe, I am, I've only been studying these box scores in Fangrass for like 11 years now, since way back on the beat. And it's good to know I'm understanding it just a little bit. Thank you for that confirmation. Mm-hmm. Even if you just lied, I appreciate <laughs> it. Come back and talk on more post games uh other thoughts any other miscellaneous thoughts you you guys uh have i have a couple more details to throw out there but other things about the game uh jump out at you i think we should really give zach collins a pat on the back a lot of credit i mean nobody had any confidence in him either this was just kind of the no confidence in Rodon collins game and they came out and they crushed it so I think he deserves a lot of credit as well for this tonight and I was happy to see they were out taking pictures on the mound together post game so um he was awesome yeah it's been happy he got the start I'm happy he was there it's been pointed out I think by a few people that uh Collins has actually caught some pretty good games from the White Sox in early going this year and you wouldn't expect that and I know it's not all because of the catcher but it's not not because of the catcher either so Crystal you're right hey listen tip a cap this is encouraging if you're a White Sox fan you're like wait this guy could be a catcher and in that spot Joe what else you got I I completely agree. It was a great moment for Zach Collins. And yeah, I said it was the first time he'd caught a no hitter and that it was his favorite moment behind the plate. So it was great to see that he could uh, be behind the plate um, during such a dominant performance that, you know, he probably played a decent role in as the catcher. So um, that's, that was certainly great to see tonight because obviously there have been a lot of questions about his ability to succeed in the majors as a catcher. So absolutely, I agree with that. I would also like to give a shout out to Nick Madrigal, who, like Mercedes, had three hits tonight. He's got a 366 on base percentage. He's doing he's doing that part of his game pretty well uh, already. I, you know, he, we, we saw the good on base ability in his uh, short stint last season. Uh, and so far this season, he's been doing the same thing, and that's a big part of where his value will come from in the majors. And, yeah, it's great to see that elite bat-to-ball ability in play. And, yeah, unlike last year, we're also seeing his uh, some patience and the ability to draw some walks, even though today he didn't draw a walk. But in general this season, his walk rate has been pretty high so far, and that's been nice to see from him. Joe Rezus with the drill down on Nick Madrigal on Carlos Rodon's no-hitter night. I love it. That's what you're here for, Joe. Uh, let's get to a couple stats from the site. Uh, very active game thread, obviously. No-hitter Anahito, uh, once again, with the most comments, 31 as of my count before we went on air. The most uh, recommended comment came from Don Gutteridge. Believe it or not, Don Gutteridge lives. 
uh, and it had to do with your mean, not the no hitter. Uh, his was note to Tony, uh, never again fill out a lineup card without Mercedes name, unless he has a compound fracture that came after the Homer, you know, but I think that's, I mean, based on the fact that about 11, 12, 15 people liked that comment, uh, I think it is a spot on. There's no doubt about that. Um, and listen, as we wind up, uh, it couldn't happen to a better guy. I mean, we love Lucas Fialito, but Carlos Rodon uh, came in with a ton of hype, has really had sort of setback after setback. He's a character. I mean, even last year in summer camp, he was barking at Luis Robert when he got him to pop up after he hit that Titanic. I think he, I think he was the one who threw the falling down home run uh, pitch, or he had some Titanic blast off of Rodon way back in summer, summer camp. He had a terrible year last year, obviously, with battling injury. And just the fact that in the, in the post game on the field, when Jason said, Hey, Carlos, what if I told you a year ago, you're going to throw a no hitter. What do you say? Uh, I tell you to take, take a, a hike. hike. <laughs> it's like the guy's got a lot of flavor and you just hope that he can, you know, stay healthy, stay away from any of the, the stomach maladies the rest of the season. And, you know, this is a guy who has always had that. I mean, in theory, he's had that number one or two in rotation potential. We've downgraded him now to a five or six, but Hey, so far, he's been pitching as good as anybody. He's right there with Giolito. If that if that's a one-two that can sustain all season, the White Sox are are tough. And you know, in fact, let me just throw this in before we go. Uh, looking at based on the run differential standings, the White Sox right now would run away from the division just based on how uh, what they're giving up versus what they're producing. And I believe my count was I, I think that's a, like a one oh five. I mean, it's early, of course. 105 win pace based on their differential. And I think there's only three other teams, Dodgers, Boston's another one, there's only three other teams projecting better than that. So you like the fact that even though they've been unlucky or maybe they've had a manager who, who has gotten outmanaged in a couple of games early, um, it bodes well. And unless bad luck continues, poor management continues, uh, this is a team now 500, I think a game back, half game back, uh, this team is ready to spring and they're running into Boston here at the end of the week uh, at a tough time because Boston is swinging really hot bats, but I don't know if there's many teams tougher right now in the White Sox, even though they're just 500 and this is a, this could be a really nice springboard. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I'm really, I, I'm really excited going into Boston soon that series too, because I think that'll be a fun matchup because Boston is really hot right now, but it seems like they're they're starting to figure it out on the south side. They're you know they're starting to gel and like Joe said earlier about Nick Madrigal, if he can just stay consistent, it'll be good. And I will be far less concerned than I was a week ago. It's a quick turnaround, Crystal, and whether or not you're going to be able to see all of the game, the wardrobe decision is pretty crucial here so make a smart choice there i mean this is a this is almost like a this is a quick back-to-back so maybe just stick with what you're wearing but i mean (laughs) it's got clearly you've got some power so make it work for us because we need to go over 500 heading on on the road trip with tim back so uh joe final thoughts there was a moment in the top of the seventh during the jose ramirez at bat where I was very scared. It went to a 3-1 count. Rodon had missed with the 2-1 changeup. And I was like, okay, well, he, this was this was fun while it lasted. I was very much, I had a, a big feeling of resignation at that point. 
but I was like, okay, yeah, well, this has been fun, but yeah, it looks like that's going to be it for the perfect game. But yeah, the very nicely placed line drive to left field that Andrew Vaughn was able to track down. That was one of the highlights of the night. And I think that is one moment, the one moment besides the last out of course that will stick with me. You didn't realize that Crystal almost wore the Billy O'K shirt. Had you known, you'd have been a lot calmer, Joe. A lot calmer. <laughs> uh, and, you know, again, another thing I forgot to mention. How about just the last play where he's yelling at Yohan? You know, it was a routine play, hard hit. Get there. Get there. I mean, the guy was into the game. God bless him for it. He deserves it. It was really nice to see. I hope he's really enjoying it. Uh, I hope he's fully recovered. And he can take his turn in another uh, another four days. Uh all right, Crystal, Joe, thanks. We're going to rush this up. Obviously, we can't get up as quickly as we did yesterday. So those of you who are on the West Coast, or you're just staying up because you got to know what Southside Sox thinks about this game beyond the printed word, well, we're going to deliver here as quickly as we can. Otherwise, good morning. Have Enjoy your coffee. Enjoy your vanilla Coke. Enjoy your tea uh, as we welcome you to uh, first day post Carlos Verdon. No hitter. And let's uh, get a series win Today, early game, turnarounds quick. Jeez, uh, I'm drawing a blank on who's got the coverage. Uh, hey, it's, it's, uh, it's Super Sam Sherman taking his first game coverage of the year tomorrow. Uh, I think Jeremy Carl might be on the six-pack. But anyway, we got a bunch of stuff coming, coming your way, including full coverage tonight. So, guys, thanks for hopping on with me, staying up. And I always can count on the Indianapolis office. So thanks for being there for me again. This is just becoming a habit. Great to be here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening, watching, reading, all that stuff.